If you did not grow up in a home that was worshiping Jesus, would you be worshiping Jesus? Or would you be worshiping one of 330 million gods and goddesses simply because that's what was thrown in front of you? Or would you be seeking out truth? Jesus is worth seeking out. You see, that's what was taking place in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, and, and yes, I know what time it is. You're about to get the first ever from Joel Wayne 14-minute sermon. Um, and Pastor Luke, go ahead and come on up. I'm, Pastor Luke's going to share with me. So uh, since I'm the lead pastor, that means you get two minutes. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, that's what's happening in 1 Peter. What's taking place in 1 Peter, and if you've got the Word of God, I'd love for you to open up, join uh, with me. But this is what's taking place in 1 Peter. Is all of a sudden, um, Peter, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's being used by God. He was the one who helped to start and really be the catalyst for the Messianic ministry in the church. In the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1 through 10, you can look at those things. And, and then afterwards, God was using him to go into the entire world. And as he's going into the entire world and throughout the Roman Empire, uh, what he is beginning to discover is the persecution of the non-Jewish Christian. So of the Gentile, right? And he's discovering that persecution. He's seeing that persecution. And so he starts to speak of that persecution and all that's there, all that's happening. And he's really concerned about the non-Jewish believer and all that's taking place in terms of the hardship and the suffering that they're having in their life. And so as a result, he's writing out this letter and he's giving a lot of instruction. He's helping um, to really understand a few important themes He's letting them know, guys, I know that you're uh, not Jewish in background, but you are now a believer in Jesus Christ, which means you have a new family, and it's an amazing family. Right. No matter where you are coming from, what you've been through, if you're a part of the family of God, that you now have a new family, and you have a new family identity. That's right. It's good, right? It doesn't matter if you're from India. It doesn't matter if you're from Russia. It doesn't matter if you're from Ohio. <laughs> Right? Or Texas. Or Texas. Questionable. So it does not matter. It doesn't matter. And so he's giving this amazing message for them. And also he's speaking about this new hope that they can have. That regardless of the hardship and the persecution and everything that's coming, to rest in the hope of what you know is to come in your identity and your relationship with Jesus Christ for eternity. So he's letting them know He's encouraging them not to get too caught up in the temporary, but to get caught up in the eternal. Because if you get too caught up in the temporary, as we know, you start to just spin your wheels. And you never see that light. You never see the hope that Christ really offers for us today. It's exciting to think about. It's exciting for us to see. So this is what I would like us to do. I would like to invite you to read scripture with me today. Uh, will you please stand? We're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 5. If you don't have the word, that's okay. It's going to be right here in front of you. Um, and what we're going to do, we're going to sign it. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, let's read this together the very best we can. It may sound a little muddled, but I promise you, God hears it. Yes? Right. So let's read this together. So, so I, I exhort, exhort the elders, elders among you. 
as, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You may be seated. This reading is primarily about how the leaders of the church should be shepherding and leading and guiding the church as a whole, other people, believers. That's really what this is about. So you need to know that. It's like this is how you should be leading. This is how you should be guiding people. And these are things that are important for us as elders. Both Pastor Luke and myself are elders at the church. Our pastors, the four pastors, are elders as well. Then we have 10 lay elders. But I think it goes further than that. I think it's also an example of how we should be living and how we should be leading in all aspects, in all regards of our life. That's what's so beautiful about Scripture is God doesn't say, hey, over here I want you to be one person and over here I want you to be a different person. He doesn't do that. He's saying this is who I'm wanting you to be. And so as leaders, yes, this is about how we should be facilitating and guiding the church. But I think it goes further and I think it's really about how we should even be leading our families, our homes. Absolutely right. One of the things I think is interesting about that, Joel, so there's a lot of kids in here, and the students are sitting up here. Uh, what we love here at Chapel Point is how do we lead homes to follow Jesus? And that's why the kids are in here this Sunday night, to see baptisms, to hear what God's doing across the world, because it matters for us as a church family to celebrate what God's doing and to be a part of that. Likewise, your home is that same thing. So what Peter's talking about, he's saying, hey, church leaders, do this. You, this is how, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. This is what you do, but we as family, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, this is what we get to do too, is how do we lead our homes to follow Jesus? And Peter's going to lay this out for us. And I think a good question is to even ask yourself as you go uh, and you walk through this text, ask, where are you leading your family right now? It's a good question. Right? What? Where, seriously, like yeah. we need to start looking at this and going, where are we even leading our homes spiritually right now? We know what we're doing with our families in other regards, right? We've yeah. got to get the, this practice or this rehearsal or this yep. event or this extracurricular activity, or we have to make sure that we get to this place for lunch on time. We know where we're leading in those regards. Do we spend as much energy and do we even give as much emotionally to where we're leading our families spiritually? That's exactly right. And so like you plan out your vacation, you know, you're leaving from Hudsonville, we're going to Colorado, you know all the stops along the way, but so many times, and that's why he uses this word exhort. It says, I exhort you, I strongly urge you to lead in this manner. And so the question for us that we have to answer as leaders of our homes is, where are you leading your home? What are you doing? Because if you don't choose to be intentional in that, 
You're missing, you're missing the opportunity, and you don't know where you're going, and the people who are following you are just as lost. Yeah, so he says, so I exhort the elders among you. Right. I exhort the leaders among you. Right. And I'm telling you now, this is also how we should be leading our homes. This at least helps to guide us. And he's not, uh, an exhorting is not a suggestion, really. It's saying, um, hey, you, if you know Jesus Christ, this is what you're doing. I'm, I'm begging yeah. you to do these things, to lead in such a way, in such a manner. Um, the very first thing he calls out, if you go to verse 2, is what? He jumps in and he says that we need to exercise oversight. Yes. Oversight. So unpack that a little bit for us, Joel. What does oversight really look like? If you're giving oversight, so as, again, elders, our responsibility, when we're in an elder meeting, we don't talk about what kind of copier we're going to lease um, we don't do those things. We don't talk about, hey, are enough keys of the doors made? Um, hey, what's going to happen if the carpet doesn't get cleaned? Um, we have people who are over those things, and those are important things. But we talk about the spiritual well-being of the church. That's right. How are these things going? How is the family ministry area going? How are they, for the young kids, how is it going? Are people growing spiritually? What are we teaching them? Are we teaching them truth? Are we leading? Are we guiding? Are we facilitating in such a manner? What's it looking like for um, each age area, but also just for even our families as a whole? That's what oversight is. So we're looking at the spiritual nature, the spiritual grounding, and then we're praying and going, well, this is what God's called us to do with the vision. And so are we going in that direction? Because if we know, if you know where God's called you, even as a family, it's much more easier to identify if you've gotten off track. Right. And so that's what we're always looking at. So we need to exercise oversight. This is how I would say it. And it's there in your notes. Hopefully it's here. But if you aren't exercising oversight, you aren't, and I know this is double negative. I did this just for all you grammar people. <laughs> I thought of some people specifically. If you aren't exercising oversight, you aren't demonstrating leadership. And he even goes on to paint a picture of what that looks like before exercising oversight. He says, shepherd the flock that is among you. What I love about this, this is Peter. Now, remember, he denied Christ three times. But Jesus comes back to Peter and he tells him, tend my sheep. Lead my people, Peter. And then Peter himself, so he's deeply ingrained in this, and he paints what his oversight looks like. It's to shepherd, which means to guide and to protect. Yes. To guide and to protect. So where are you? Where am I is the question that I need to look at. Where am I guiding and protecting my three kids and my wife? And oversight, if you really want to know a practical way of providing oversight, ask godly biblical questions. Because that's how you see, that's how you determine if something is healthy, right? I speak to my kids about stuff all the time. Hey, how, how, what's God teaching you right now, right? What, how's God shaping you right now? What's the lesson that you need? So I'm looking and I'm, I'm giving oversight even by asking questions. Another thing, though, is if you look here at verse 2, verse 2 says to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. There's the word for us, Pastor Luke. That's right. And then he says, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, which means this. We need to embrace God's journey. I always speak about we don't want to simply accept something. We want to embrace something. We want to embrace God's journey. He says, not, this is, I love this, not under compulsion, but willingly. You get to serve God. You get to worship the Almighty. 
It is not something that you have to do. It is something that you get to do because he's that great. You get to worship God. And so that's that embracing God's journey yeah. and going down that path, isn't it? Yeah, it's so true. And so like, what does it look like to be willing? And I love that he uses, he's using this like back and forth, not under compulsion, but willingly. Not this, but that. So he says, willingly, are you desiring, is this an ambition of your heart to lead into exercise oversight, to shepherd? Because guess what? It doesn't matter if you're home, if you're single, you have influence. And so what are you doing with that influence? And are you embracing that journey? So as we look at these little words, Think about that. Embrace the journey that God has for you, the people around you. I loved, we heard it uh, from Rob about leading, this is what I want to do with my family, the baptism. Then we heard it from the Grimes. that I, Someone influenced me with a card, a card, handwritten card, and they influenced me to follow Jesus. So where are we exercising oversight and shepherding willingly? Yeah, embracing that journey is so important for us. Another thing he jumps into is in verse 3, um, he says, to to not do it domineering over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock, right? That's why even as, as elders, we really are careful at people who are coming onto the elder board. We're looking at the witness that they have, the examples that they have. Um, we, we ask them, what are they doing? We ask them if they're tithing. That's 10%, right? And, and we don't ask for W-2s or anything like that. We're, we don't do that. But we, we want to know if they're being obedient to God. Sure. Before they come and give oversight, one of the things we need to remember is it's really hard to give spiritual oversight if you yourself are not growing. That's right. It's really hard. And we don't want to do it in a domineering way. You don't want to do it with your kids in a domineering way. If you do it like that, that's why the scripture's in there about not exasperating your children. Right, because you can't take someone where you have not been. Yes. So God calls Abram out, but God's there with him, and he knows where he's going. Jesus brings the disciples. He knows where he's going. He's going to the cross and what's laying ahead for him. And you can't take your children and the people that you have influence, you can't take them to Jesus if you don't know them. Yes. So you don't want to lead others. You don't want to lead your home in a domineering way. But what you do want to do is do it under love. First Peter is also it's this incredible example of Peter coming, and especially in chapters 3 and chapter 4, um, is he's giving them understanding of what it is to have Christ-like servanthood. Right? What, one of the things that's happening, because people, even with all the different gods and goddesses that they are worshiping, just like people are today, one of the things that was taking place is even some of the wives were coming to know Christ, but the husbands weren't. And it was known that if you were the patriarch, the, the, the family would worship that god. So they're going, what do we do? And so what he's saying is, listen, you need to never deny my name, but what you need to do is you need to serve them, show them my love by serving them in such incredible ways, showing them my grace so that they marvel at that. And he's like, that's what Jesus did, right? He served people. Think about the Last Supper and how he served the disciples. And so he's giving this example of being able to not be domineering, but to serve people in love. Which is interesting because kindness. Peter, who yeah. wrote this, again, said, well, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. You're the Lord. I, yeah. I serve you. And, <laughs> or John the Baptist says, I can't baptize right. you. Right. And so the flip side is, but Jesus came to serve. Mark 10, 45. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and become a ransom for many. So all the whole time we're hearing Peter as he's shepherding, leading, he's experienced all of this and he's realizing, and I love what that word is in verse 5, it says, clothe yourselves with humility. Yes. Clothe yourselves with humility. What that is, it is this garment that the servants would wear to wash the disciples' feet. Yeah. So Peter, the whole time, he's remembering, oh my God, he did that for me. Yes. And if you're my not wearing God the garment, did that. 
you know where I'm going to go on this. Episode. Right. If you're not wearing the garment, you're not ready to what? You're not ready to serve. You're not ready to serve. If you're not putting on Christ, clothing yourself with that type of humility, you're not ready to serve. So then you have to ask yourself, are you leading in such a way? All right? Is that the example that you're setting? That's the example we're striving to set. And we want our families striving to set the same thing. Living under, humbly living under the hand of God. What if you could confidently say that? That right. my, wow. That, that'll change. Right? That'll change when my you think family about that. My family is living under the hand of God. Yeah, everything we do, we're humbly submitting ourselves to it. And it reminds me again of just Jesus. Hebrews uh, talks about him for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. So I wonder for our families and our homes and the influences that we have, what is that joy that we're going to have to walk through? Because Peter's writing to a group of people who are suffering, who are being pressed and hurting but yet they humbly put themselves under God. Yeah. Jesus did that himself, going to the cross. Peter's doing that under the leadership of Jesus. And he says, I urge you, I exhort you, brothers, lead in this way. Yeah. I've got a challenge for you guys. Praise team, I'm going to invite them to go ahead and come back out. Um, and you, I'm inviting you guys to come back at 3 o'clock today because I've got a lot more to share. Um, I'm not going to really be here. Don't show up. Um, I bet some people but, would, though. That'd be amazing for them. Um, <laughs> there was no facetiousness there. None. I want to give you a challenge about what it is to be leading your home. And some of you guys are doing a remarkable job. Some of you, you hear this language and you go, what did they just say to do? They want me to exercise oversight, to embrace God's journey, to not be domineering, and to do everything humbly. Right? Even in your realm of influence, wherever that is, that's what God's wanting you to do. So I want to give you a challenge. Every single person, child or not, adult or not, I want to invite you to write this week a 100-word a prayer for your home. Because that doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you have kids. It doesn't matter who you are. If you have grandkids, great-grandkids, it doesn't matter. I want to, I'm asking you to write a 100-word prayer for your home. Knowing what Scripture tells us in terms of spiritual, godly leadership, I'm asking you to write that prayer, and then later this week, I want you to share it with one another. And if, if you're in a home by yourself, I'm, I'm inviting you to bring a friend in and say, hey, this is my prayer for my home. What do you think about this? Because prayers open up your heart, and it allows people to see who you really are, don't right. they? Absolutely. That's what happens. And it's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, it takes a church to raise a Christian, just as it takes a family, a home yes. to raise kids. You can't do it alone. And if you think your walk with the Lord just happens yes. in your head, in your heart, you're missing out. So get it out of your heart yes. through a pen and be vulnerable to open it up to other people. And to be a spiritual leader, right? That's what this church is needing more than anything else, sure. more than ever before. I'm going to invite you to stand with us, to sing and to call out to God. Let's worship him right now.